Hello and welcome to the Aware Parenting Stories podcast. My name is Joss Golden and I am so happy you are here. In this podcast series, I interview people who are passionate about parenting. We talk about all things to do with motherhood and parenting and explore the joys and the challenges that we all face in our families. The aim of the podcast is to inspire us all on our parenting adventures and to support parents to raise their children with more awareness, connection and love. Hello and welcome to another episode of Aware Parenting Stories. Today I have the lovely Danny Willow on the podcast, which I'm so happy about. Welcome, Danny. Thank you, Joss. Thanks for having me here. So Danny is an amazing Aware Parenting instructor. She's also an early childhood educator, a primary school teacher, and she runs women's circles and holds sacred space for mothers um, to support them in this journey that we're all on of mothering. And of course, she's the mum herself to two beautiful, beautiful girls. So thank you so much for coming on. I just um, love everything that you share. Um, You're also the founder of The Way of the Woman. Um, So do you want to just start off by talking a bit about like how you found Aware Parenting and how you ended up with this, starting this business and, and The Way of the Woman, where that all came from? Yeah, I'd love to. So I I had my first daughter and when she was born, I basically became a full attachment parent. I was up all night, breastfeeding, rocking, patting, not having very much sleep. And I couldn't listen to any of her crying. I just really, for me, was as really activated every time she cries and was just that deep association with crying means pain it means you know something's wrong and I need to fix her I need to keep her happy I need to you know crying is bad basically and so that went on and we moved on to a dummy and just you know patting and rocking her to sleep and you know shaking her bottom um even like at 16 17 months and when I was I fell pregnant and realized that, you know, I was having bad night aversion. And so I stopped breastfeeding her in the night. And um, then when my little second daughter was born, I was exhausted. I was going from, you know, feeding one and patting the other and just moving in between rooms and yeah, just really just not sustainable. And my second daughter would not have any of the, you know, um, what we call control patterns or suppression mechanisms in aware parenting, but she just wouldn't, you know, she wouldn't feed to sleep and she wouldn't rock and pat and she wouldn't have a dummy. And so all the things that I had done the first time just weren't working. And I remember it got to like four or five weeks and I got into the kitchen and, you know, I just broke down to my husband and I said, like, I just don't know what's going on and I don't love her the same way that I love my first daughter and I don't feel connected to her and something's not right like I just feel very uncomfortable I can't get her to settle I can't get her to stop crying and this really awakened something in me because I was like why well why do I need her to stop crying and so I was sharing this with a very close friend of mine at the time and she said to me, um, you know, I'm doing all this work with Lael Stone. Maybe you'd like to, you know, it just it might resonate for you. It's called Aware Parenting. Um, why don't you have a read of it? And, and so, yeah, I, I 
did call Lael and I started sitting on her couch and (laughs) having sessions with her and realised that so much of what was happening for me was about me and not about the girls and my own childhood, which was very authoritarian, really strict, had lots of punishment and rewards, um, lots of smacking. And, you know, I love my parents both very much and they did the best that they could, but it was quite painful and I had lots of really, really big feelings about that and realised that I couldn't listen to them because of what had happened to me. And I remember there was this one particular time, and I think I just started seeing Layla where my daughter, who was the toddler, she um, did something. It was something very, you know, in the whole scheme of things, wasn't a big deal. But for me at that moment, I was really activated. And I actually went into her room and she had a floor bed and I threw her onto her floor bed and shouted and was like, you will stay in here. And I am like slammed the door. And I, I could hear her crying and I sort of sat outside the door and I, I I said, oh, my goodness, like I have just repeated what had happened to me and what I had done, what had been done to me, and it felt awful. And I was like, I don't want to do that anymore, so I need to change. Something needs to be different. And, yeah, so then I started working with Lael one-to-one for a couple of months and did her immersion and something you know reading the books and at that point there wasn't a podcast so I was just reading all the books and just like soaking in all this information and talking to all these amazing other mums who had had very similar experiences to me in their childhood or and somewhat different and listening to that and realizing actually what I'd experienced as a child although it's normalized it's actually not normal to have you know these punishments and being sent to your room and yeah these feelings of disconnect with self and all those sort of things so this was like the most transformational moment was sort of sitting in circle with all these other mums and realizing that yeah like this is really amazing that we've got this yeah aware parenting and so yeah just started practicing it more and more and more and saw the other side of it so now watching, you know, my daughter wean off her dummy, listening to lots of feelings, um, using play for connection, Um, you know, with my older, my my little one, it was, you know, more watching her move into deeper sleep and connection after listening to feelings Um, and just seeing them really become who they were meant to be, you know, like in those those first, I think, year of really practising it, I just saw such a huge transformation. I went, oh, my God, I want to share this with everyone and I want every mum and dad in their home to be able to, to have this information and practice it. Wow. Oof, what a beautiful story, Danny. Thank you so much for sharing that. I really appreciate your authentic honesty when you share that story. I'm really, really touched by that and I think it's so helpful for people to hear that parenting is is really hard and and that we've all done things that we regret and we've all reacted to our children from our own pain and our own hurt and that you know it's the intention to do it differently that really really matters isn't it and then finding ways to get the support so that we can do it and I loved what you said I couldn't listen to them because of what had happened to me and I just think yes that is so crucial in this process and I think often we come to aware parenting thinking oh we're just aware parent our children and everything will be okay and they'll sleep and all the rest of it but actually it's so much more than that isn't it and that realization that couldn't listen to them realization is is the the starting point of the real powerful transformation of aware parenting 
Yes, I couldn't agree more. I think so many of the mums that I support or, you know, speak to, it, it really does. Like you think, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to aware parent, I'm going to apply all these principles to them and it's going to be amazing. And it is. But I think a really big part of that is, you know, it, it wasn't often done to us. It's like we're the first generation of aware parenting. And so it's, it's challenging because we don't know what that looks like. We don't have that role model. We can't see it in action. So we kind of have to recreate it for ourselves and then we can sort of give that to our children. But we have to offer that to ourselves first, I I feel, is like such a big part of it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. The other thing I loved what you said is that although these ways of parenting, these mainstream ways of parenting are normalised, they're not normal. And I think that's so important, isn't it? And even when you're talking about coming to this from a place of being a really committed attachment parenter, it's it's so which is obviously how we've evolved to live for hundreds of thousands of years as, as humans with that closeness and that wearing and our children and having them with us all the time and long-term breastfeeding and all of those attachment aspects of aware parenting but yeah what I love is that extra piece that that Aletha has has brought in about about listening to feelings about healing through play and and as you said supporting our children to become who they're meant to be mm. so beautiful yeah and I think a big part of that is meeting our own needs. Like I just didn't know that I could, and I was scared maybe, like if I did ask for help, that it would mean I was a bad mum, you know, like that was really drummed in as an attachment parent. Like you need to be up all night with them and that's the way it is and, you know, and I and I had like, you know, the very mainstream, you know, my mum sort of saying, you know, just sleep train them, we did that to you and it's fine and going, no, I, I can't do that. So if I can't do that, then I've got to do this and this didn't feel right either. It felt really uncomfortable and I was very resentful like you know I don't want to be up with you all night or you know I don't want to baby wear you again I'm tired like I was really really exhausted and I think also having the two girls like quite close together and not having that spaciousness like that two years really meant that you know I was in it I was in it really really deep and in some ways that was really powerful like I think one of the the things I all reflected back to me was I needed to have that journey with my first daughter of healing and listening not not listening to any of the cries and meeting her needs and doing all that because that's not what I received and so I was gifting her you know what I hadn't received but then my second daughter came along and it was like nah that's not going to work for me and we need to find what is going to work for all of us in this situation and what did was aware parenting because it was about actually going I have needs as well and they need to be looked at and they need to be heard and they need to be shared and they need to be met and so I was able to do that and just speak from such a deep and more authentic place within myself. Mm. It's so powerful, isn't it? And it's so transformative. And just the process of going through giving birth just is a reawakening for so many women. But then when you add the aware parenting into it too, and we start really, really exploring our, our childhood experiences, our feelings about it, our beliefs that we've created as a result of those experiences, and then really connecting authentically with who we actually are, not who we thought we were or who we became as a result of the way we were led to believe about ourselves, but actually really who we are. Um, Yeah, yeah, it's so powerful. So powerful. Um, Can you talk a little bit about um, the process, if you're happy to, of weaning your first daughter off her dummy? Because I think it's so common for parents to have 
um, control patterns that they establish unknowingly with their children. And um, for me, it was definitely a breastfeeding one. Um, and I remember actually giving my son a dummy when he was about probably about eight or nine months. And I was so exhausted and I just was so needing him to sleep. And um, I remember giving him a dummy and half of me was thinking, please spit it out. And half of me was thinking, please just go back to sleep and, and this could be the answer. Um, and yes, yeah, so fortunately, fortunately for us, he spat it out. So that wasn't our issue. But I imagine that process would have been really challenging as you're just starting to practice aware parenting and then you have this big thing to deal with. Could you talk us through that a bit? Yeah, I'd love to share on that. So it really, it was a long process. I want to say that it didn't happen overnight. It wasn't like I just started listening and everything was, you know, she stopped within like a couple of weeks. It was, um, you know, she had two and a half years worth of feelings that I hadn't listened to and suppressed. So I knew that um, it was going to take a lot of, it was a long, I was in it for the long haul, basically. I knew it wasn't going to happen overnight and she was very, very attached to it. So, you know, at the start, when I found aware parenting, I was doing a lot of listening with my, you know, four or five month old to get her to sleep in longer blocks. And then I sort of, once I was happy with that and sort of came to it, you know, I was really comfortable. I was like, okay, I'm ready to sort of offer that to Marley, my older daughter. And so, um, what I ha- what I love to offer and share on is when it when I first started listening, like she has red hair and she's very, you know, I would say slightly introverted and you know, very common things like what we would sort of, yeah, stereotypically say for a redhead. You know, they're introverted and they keep to themselves, and you know, she's very in inverted commas shy and all these sort of labels that I had, you know, put on her. And then, yeah, so then as I started to wean her off her dummy and she became more connected to her true self, none of those labels actually stuck. And so it was quite interesting to really witness that in her. So the way that I did it was, you know, we we had a conversation. So she was two and a half and she was speaking and, you know, she was toilet learned and all those things. So um, I said to her, like, you know, for, for the last few years, like I haven't been able to listen to any of your feelings and I want to be able to do that more. And so, you know, I started to play with the dummy, like I would suck a dummy and say, you know, get her to take it out of my mouth. And I would, you know, act really silly about it and say, my dummy tastes like poo. What does your dummy taste like? You know, really silly and lots of laughter. And, you know, when we would dip it, pretend to dip it in different things. And yeah, so just firstly was just to make it really fun so that it wasn't, Um, me powering over her and making this decision like we're going to get rid of it and too bad what you feel about it Um, but we had lots and lots of conversations about you know as we get older we don't need a dummy she she did a a visit to the dentist and the dentist sort of had a conversation with her very gently about how it like you know changes the structure of your teeth and that you know it's really and the way that you speak and so it's important to start you know starting to take it away a little bit and so she was you know she was soaking all that in and she wasn't really that willing but I did the more play I did the more she was willing and then I started to set what we call loving limits which is um, a term coined by Marion Rose which is you know in other parenting paradigms it would be seen as a boundary but I kind of love the word loving because I think it comes from a place of deep love um, just around when she could have it so it moved from you know you can take it into the car with you but we have to leave it in the little side door to you know um we're not going to take it out of the house at all uh we're only going to have it for sleep time and then 
then that was probably when I started to listen to the most feelings. You know, she would wake up from a midday rest and then she would obviously want it and I would say, no, sweetheart, I'm really not willing for you to have the dummy, but I'm I'm really willing to listen to any of your feelings around that. And so there were lots and lots of big feelings and I reckon over that time, so this was probably already going on a year, a year and a half of listening, um, she would cry for 45 minutes you know I built it up so probably in the beginning I was listening to maybe 10 minutes and then saying okay you can have it and then just slowly slowly increased it and then as soon as we got to you know that day sleep and the night time and then I had a lot of anxiety around that because I was like oh my god if we take it away she's not gonna sleep I'm gonna be up all night with her and so one day you know she was probably closer to four four and a half I sort of sat her down and I said I really am so willing for you to give up this dummy at night and I deeply trust that you will do it when you're ready. Like I really know that when you feel that you're ready and that it's safe for you to sleep without it, I know you will and I just want you to know that. And I just kept saying that to her. And probably after a few weeks she came to me and said, I don't I don't want to sleep with the dummy anymore. And I was like, oh, okay, what do you want to do with it? And so we talked about how to sort of have this ritual around it. You know, I didn't want to, you know, throw it away. I didn't want to put it somewhere. So we we cut all the, you know, the little bits that they suck, the little um, plastic bits, and then I we attached it to a bunny. And I said to her, you know, and this was her dummy bunny, and I said, you can hug the bunny. And, you know, she just, she attached them all and then she held the dummy for a moment, uh, the bunny for a moment and then wasn't interested totally just dropped it and that was the end of it and I I remember I think we kept it for a while but never ever spoke about it again didn't ask for a dummy and slept the whole night like that was never an issue and I, I think yeah I think for me like and then obviously there was that whole part around just seeing her transform into this amazing human being that wasn't shy or introverted and wanted to talk to people and wanted to engage in you know she was doing a music class with my mum at the time, like so willing to like actually get involved and do all these things um, that I thought was actually her personality stopping her, but it was actually this whole process of just stopping her feeling all the things that she needed to feel. Um, so that witness, you know, and, and seeing that transform was just the most amazing part, you know, then I was like, oh, my gosh, I love aware parenting so much. (laughs) I really got to see it in action and was like, this is like, this is just the most amazing thing. And then it made it so clear for me as well around breastfeeding with my little one, like those patterns and how, because that's a really, you know, contentious issue sometimes on, you know, oh, but if we don't breastfeed them, and but, you know, sucking on this dummy really made me see the how deeply this con- control pattern can be embedded into like, you know, their their personality, the way they, they feel about themselves, all of those like internal stories and imprints that are creating from the beginning. So, yeah, and then I was much clearer on what I was going to do with, you know, Kiki and her feeding as well. Wow. <laughs> I love that description. I think that's so helpful. Just like I wish everybody would just listen just to that that bit. Oh, my goodness. It's just I loved how clear you were about the fact that you understood it was going to be a long process and that you had like two and a half years of feelings to catch up on. That's, you know, that's a lot of feelings. And I love that you started with play and that that was the central thing, because I think often when we make a decision about what we want for our children and how we want things to be different, we're like, right, we're just going to do it. 
And actually, yeah, by bringing in that play and that silliness and all that laughter around it, it takes out so much of the charge. So, yeah, that's an amazing. And I loved about, yeah, having conversations and giving her information and, and allowing her to, to process all that in her own time. And then again, I loved how you described with the loving limits that it was a slow process. Again, it wasn't just like a definitive, that's it, no more now, we're not doing it. Um, but that actually you you chose to do that in a way that was slowly reducing and listening to feelings all the way at, at each stage of that process. And yeah, the loving limits, the loving is such a crucial word to that, isn't it? And when we can't offer them lovingly, um, it's, yeah, that, that's not the, that's not the way that's not when it's helpful, but yeah. when we can, it's, that's amazing. And I, and I loved, um, that you were, you know, it was bringing up feelings for you and you're, you were honest about that process too. And that, you know, then again, we have to get listening to ourselves so that we get really clear on how we want it to be. And, and through that process of getting support ourselves, we're then able to, come to a situation where you say so beautifully you've given her that trust and that permission that you know you'll come to this when you're ready and it's not done in a manipulative way because I remember in my childhood there was a bit of well when you're ready you'll do you know but that actually that was a a really beautiful part of this long process and I think what you said is so important is the changes that you saw in her personality as a result of listening to feelings and how easy it is for us to say oh yeah that's just my daughter they're just that way or that's just my son that's just how he is but actually when we increasingly bring our awareness (laughs) to what's going on for our children and support them with with listening to feelings and with play it it just frees them to be who they are really who they are not who they are being as a result of the feelings that are affecting the way they're behaving that's just so beautiful yeah and I think like what you shared you know that at the start just around like why you know that that period of time and knowing it was going to take time was also that you know I was I knew that I had lots of feelings and I knew that in order for me to really go there with her, I needed support. I needed to see an instructor. I needed to someone to really listen and hold for me because I was holding for, you know, a five-month-old and doing my own inner stuff and listening to her. And so I knew that, like, this process wasn't going to happen overnight and it doesn't. Like, you know, in all of the the support that I do with other mums as well, like, it takes time because we haven't, had those feelings listened to. So it was a really important part was being able to go away, being able to have my own space to listen and to feel and to say, you know, well, when she does this, like when I, you know, set a loving limit and I have to listen to her for 45 minutes and be really present, like this is what comes up for me, you know, about that time when I was whatever age and I wasn't listened to and there wasn't anyone to sort of sit with me in that. And the more I sort of connected with that inner part of myself and loved on her and gave her all that she needed the more willing I was to go back like it was like this fire inside of me of okay now I can listen to you even more and so I think the time and yeah just the whole process was partly about me going in and listening and then coming back with more capacity to be able to listen to both of them and allow them to you know go to where they needed to go to you know do more play and be more playful and to really listen for longer periods of time but yeah you're right like it is it was a slow process but I wanted it to be gentle and slow because I needed to be gentle and slow with myself as well Mm. 
I love that. That's how it is. It's just, you know, what, what we're needing, what our children needing are often so closely intertwined, aren't they? So what did that look like? How, what was your support? And you said you were having sessions and stuff. Can you say a bit more about what that actually involved? So um, I think one of the main things was like, I didn't, we had family around us, but they were all sort of still working. And so in the day-to-day hustle of mothering, Um, One of the big things, and my husband worked long hours and so I was often at home on my own with two little kids and, you know, when I was first doing all the listening, there was a lot of listening at night and so I wasn't having a lot of sleep. And so he, you know, my husband said, I really want us to get a babysitter to come, you know, a couple of times a week or once a week, whatever you're open to, um, so that you can actually go and have a sleep or go for a walk or sit in the park or go and have a session with Lael. And at first I said, no, I was like, I can't ask for help because that means I'm failing. It means, and it's someone else in my home with my kids. Like I really don't feel comfortable with that. And it kind of went on for a couple of weeks and he said, let's just trial it. Like what's the worst that can happen? So I trialed it and I just was had the most amazing luck. I had this beautiful um, babysitter come who was from England and she was so open. She read all the Aware Parenting books. She would baby wear Kiki for me. She would do anything. She was just so, so, so open to it and would listen to feelings and and she's actually pregnant and about to give birth to her own baby, which I'm super excited about. But just, you know, even that process of having someone else in there and doing it with me and, you know, doing some of the attachment play and going, oh, my gosh, that was so funny. And, you know, I'm doing this and you're doing that. And so that was really important to me was having someone that I really trusted who um, could come in and was in alignment with with me and what I was offering the girls. Um, and, you know, at that time, I was using a lot of my my spare time or my free time to go go and sit with Lael on her couch. And that was probably even maybe once a fortnight in the beginning. So it was very, very regular with voice noting in between if I needed it to, to really feel what was coming up because it was happening very quickly. Like I was being activated, you know, in the beginning as I sort of shared like really quickly and really intensely. And so I wanted to, I didn't want to, you know, have that effect where I'm like, you know, throwing Marley on her bed or shouting at them or, you know, behaving in ways that really didn't feel like the true me as this true wise, you know, adult version of me. So lots and lots and lots of sessions with Lael that then went into an immersion. Um, and in the immersion, I found my first listening partner. So she was another mum and we'd had a very, very similar childhood experience. She shared in one of the circles and I just was like, oh, my gosh, that could have been me. Like I really deeply feel connected to her. So I approached her and I said, would you be willing to be um, a listening partner with me, which we also call empathy buddy in Aware Parenting? And so she was like, yes, I would love that. And so, yeah, that's how that started. And we started, you know, sending each other voice notes or having a Zoom call. um, And it was very in the moment. So that was really great because I would sort of send a voice note and say, you know, I just tried this and it didn't really work. And what do you think this means? Or I'm I'm feeling really down today. I just don't want a mother. I'm really struggling. Like, and she would send, you know, beautiful supportive messages back and vice versa. And it made me feel like I was less alone because I really felt like, 
in in particularly in my friendship groups or in other people that had had children like no one was really doing this and I felt like this was transformational but yet like where's the village of aware mothers like where are they right so I felt that um deep 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 like besides in this immersion that I was doing with you know 10 other mums like I felt that deep connection but I just felt like I really was alone and that I didn't have a lot of people to share it with particularly because you know my my own parents weren't never parented in this way and they found it quite hard for to, to kind of go oh you know why are you doing it like this and so it was really important to have you know these these little pillars around me this little toolkit to make me feel like um really deeply connected to what I was doing and also that you know I got my husband on board and that took a bit of time as well it didn't happen straight away um, but we did do like Lael's introduction to aware parenting course together which was you know and I know there's lots of instructors who have those now but there weren't a lot in those days um, and I remember saying to him, we're going to, you know, we're going to go to this thing. And he said, but we're already parents. Like, what do we need this for? And at the end he cried and he's like, wow, I've really been an unaware parent. So I do think that that can be a really profound way to get partners on board, just to see the information from someone who's not the partner, mm-hmm. hear it from someone else. So, yeah, that was kind of the main bits and pieces that I had supporting me in the very early stages. Mm-hmm. That's amazing because that's that's exactly what we w- we would recommend to somebody now in a session, yeah. isn't it? Basically, we would say, you know, and for you to have a support ally who came into your home and that babysitter who was willing to, you know, understand from you how you wanted it to be and then practice it that way. How amazing. <clears throat> and then, yeah, lots of sessions. Like we've all had so many sessions. I had lots of sessions. I mean, the only it was just Marion and Aletha who were available back in the day when I was doing it. But yeah, I had I was going through my notes recently and I was like looking in books and it was saying session with Aletha, blah, 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 blah. session with Marion, blah, 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 session with Marion. <clears throat> so lots of that is really important. And yeah, then the listening partner thing comes in and it's that's so crucial, isn't it? And um it just makes so much difference to have somebody who you can message, who you can share the joys and the challenges with. And um, I had the same with somebody who was also discovering aware parenting at the same time as me. And we could message each other and, oh, my God, she's just had this huge release and she's cried for 45 minutes. I'm exhausted, but wow. And, you know, all of those sorts of support is so important. And, um, yeah, to get your husband on board, that's amazing because that comes up so often in sessions, doesn't it, that the women are, I mean, not always this way, but often that the women are really wanting to find a different way um, and there's some reluctance and, I mean, there's so much more complexity and when it comes to emotions usually for, for men and listening to feelings and so on. So it can be so challenging for husbands and, yeah, that, that, can, be a, that can be a really tricky one to navigate. Yeah, I can. And I think um, just trusting again, like I said to him, you'll find your own way with it. It doesn't need to be the way that I am with them as well. Like I think that was a really big part of it. Just again, that deep trust that, you know, they're getting something from him that they're not getting from me, that we both offer something to this, you know, this family dynamic. And even now, you know, he does listen to feelings and, but, you know, he can't maybe hold it for as long as I can, Um, but he's amazing at the play and they do all this baking and, you know, he does all, he takes them into the ocean and they go stand up paddle boarding. So he does lots of things that, you know, I, you know, aren't willing to do or don't enjoy. And so, you know, we, that just that we work in partnership with each other Mm. and that there is something that we're both offering. And in the very early stages, like, you know, I was sort of 
sending him articles like this, you know, read this and look at that. And, and I was very similar to you, Joss, like I would have a session and then like, I would, you know, write notes and then I'd write notes after each like experience with the girls. I just had journals and journals of like this, you know, this happened and we did this and this worked and this didn't work. And, you know, I was sort of saying to him like, get into it, get into it. But it really actually just came with him seeing it role modeled over time. Like this is what it looks like and, and noticing, you know, there was this one particular experience where around hair washing that was a really you know it's often a really big stress for parents and they don't do it or they do it you know in front of a television where it's easier and I remember you know Marley my girls have very very curly hair and I had very very curly hair when I was younger and it was you know never brushed with that deep love and tenderness it was a job and a chore and you know everyone hated it and I could see that this was like the imprint that was going on with them was like I was sort of powering over them and sort of saying like we're just gonna do it and you've just gotta you know I don't care if you cry and put your dummy in and those sort of things and um and then I, I I spent a bit of time with myself connecting in with well, what would I have really liked and needed in that moment and so I sat down one day and I brushed my hair really lovingly and I sort of said like you know your hair's beautiful and we can take care of it and it doesn't need to be painful and I really enjoy brushing your hair and just offering all the things that I really needed to hear for mm. myself when I was younger. And so that night I sort of got into the bath and I said to Clint, we're going to wash hair tonight. And he said, oh, no, this is not going to be good. And I was like, no, no, it's going to be good. And so I got in with Marley and I said, you know, um, we're going to brush your hair tonight and there's going to be, you know, no dummy, sweetheart. Like I'm just going to listen to how you feel about it and I'm really here. And if it takes a bit of time, that's okay. And, you know, this is the process and this is what we're going to do. And she just said, I don't want to do it. And I listened to her cry for, you know, 45 minutes. We're not doing it. We're not doing it. We're not doing it. And I just held the space and I said, I so here. You don't want to do it. And, you know, it's, I know it sounds so hard, and but I'm here and I'm listening and just kept listening. And at the end of the 45 minutes, she, you know, it came down and we cuddled and we were still in the bath. And I said to her, you know, how are you feeling? She says, all right, we can, you know, we can wash and brush my hair. And and I, when I got into bed that night, my husband was like, that was transformational. Like, oh, my goodness, how did that, well, how did that happen? <laughs> just let you wash her hair. And I was like, yeah, see, so it was it was, an, it was the inaction that made the change for him versus me just giving him the information and making him, you know, at that point I think there was a podcast, making him listen and read the books. That wasn't what actually changed his whole perception on it. It was actually seeing it in action and her willing to cooperate and willing to do the things that I was asking her to do. Yeah, yeah, and that's so often the way, isn't it, that we just have to keep persevering, keep doing what we feel is really right for our families, keep modelling as much as we can and encouraging them to come but to understand that they'll they'll come. But often I think we really need so much more extra support around that, don't we, because often we feel like we're aware parenting our children and we're aware parenting ourselves and we're aware parenting our husbands and the dog. And like, it's just like, God, we're doing a lot of aware parenting. Yeah, we need support. <laughs> have some support. Definitely. Yeah. Oh, that's lovely. Um, and I, yeah, I loved what you're saying. What to connect in really deeply when we are experiencing challenges with our children and and thinking, you know, how was it for us, and what would we really have liked to have received in in, in this, and what how could we do this in a way that feels really loving and really honouring, um, as well as getting getting what we want out of it. That's yes. that's crucial. Um. I'm, I've got so many things I want to ask you, Danny. I'm not sure where to go next because I'm also aware of the time. But um, 
one of the things that I know that you're also really passionate about that I think would be lovely to discuss because you don't see it discussed very much is this um, idea that in a way parenting around self-directed eating with our children. And again, it comes down to that trust that we can actually um, give our children the information. We can listen to feelings. We can play. Um, and then you know, make sure that we're meeting their needs and then we can just trust them to, to find their way with it. Yes. Can you talk a bit about how, how, how you came to, to mm. be passionate about that and how that's worked in your family? Yeah, I'd love to. So um, when I first had Marley Montessori, like the whole Montessori philosophy really resonated for me because it was all about, you know, having everything at their level, making it really respectful to what their needs are, um, particularly around food, like, you know, inviting them into the process. Like often we think, oh, it's going to be so much longer if they help us wash the dishes or, you know, they chop up a salad and yeah, it can take longer, but I think it's about inviting them in because to them the home is their community and they want to know how can I contribute to this community. And I think if we invite them in from the start, and, uh, you know, you could maybe speak to this a bit more than me, Joss, but I'm hoping that when they're teenagers they're going to feel a lot more willing because we've invited it in when it's been, like, intrinsically a part of their body, you know, that they want to do things, that they want to, like, my girls love washing the dishes, they love setting the table, they love making salads, they love doing all these things. Things, you know, peeling eggs or, you know, they always ask, can I help? Can I do it too? And, you know, often our initial response is to go, oh, that's going to take like, you know, 20 more minutes that I don't want to stand in the kitchen for. But I think by inviting them in, you know, they get this opportunity to gain these practical life skills. So that's really where it started for me was, you know, I wanted them to have these skills. I wanted them to be included. They help, you know, hang washing and put washing away, all those things that are just a part of the day-to-day living. And then the next part, I guess, was when I read um, the Aware Baby and Cooperative and Connected, Helping Young Children Flourish by Aletha Salter, the section in about, yeah, self-directed or self-regulated eating. And what she spoke about in there was that, you know, that, you know, they can regulate these foods themselves. And so at that point, I, I wasn't doing it. I think I had, you know, a few treaty-like things out, but it wasn't all at their level. So I then decided to really set the whole thing up so that they could really access everything on their own. So I had, you know, a little, um, it was a tiny like little butcher tabley thing and it had, um, you know, their plates and their cups and their drink bottles and if, you know, a few treat-like foods in containers and a fruit bowl with fruit and veggies in it. And it had all the utensils so that they could take a cutting board and use the knife and it was like a special kitty knife and like cut up their own fruit and vegetable and some of it was exploratory like it wasn't all they didn't eat everything that they you know they would open something and try it and go oh, I don't like that um what I did notice was when I first started it, I remember my my daughter Kiki. I don't. She must be like one and a half, or you know, eighteen months. You know, somewhere in eighteen to twenty months. She ate a full bag of marshmallows. <laughs> I remember sitting there going, I don't know if I can do this. Like, I don't know. Is she gonna now? She's just gonna want marshmallows like all the time, and she's just gonna binge on bags of marshmallows because sugar's so addictive and all those inner thoughts that I was having. And I was like, no, I'm just going to come back to the trust. Like I just want to trust that this is going to work, like I deeply, deeply trust. And I didn't really have a big story around food and I think that's a big part of if we're going to do this, we need to look into like what's our story around food, what, you know, are we using chocolate to, you know, suppress our own feelings. Um, I certainly was a period of time where I controlled food because everything else in my life was out of control and so I stopped eating and became, I had a 
you know, a bit of an eating disorder for a period of time. But I didn't have a thing around sugar. I never really was like restricted. My parents were pretty open and were like, yeah, you want that, you eat that, you know. So I didn't, I never really binged on sugar. I never really had that whole like because I was restricted. So I knew that I didn't want to give that to them, but I was also scared that like if I give them everything that they want, you know, is it going to become this whole thing that they're just totally addicted to it? So you know, one of the things was like we shop in an organic shop. So I would take them into the organic shop and I would say, here's the section, you know, you can choose a couple of things to put on the shelf. I wouldn't, you know, take them and let them choose everything that they wanted, but like a couple of things that you want to have on this little, in this little space, you can put, put it on there. Um, and, you know, they would choose lollies and they would choose, you know, packets of chips and they would choose chocolate. But what I did start to see was that the charge around it dropped off. So they would, you know, what a bag of marshmallows in the beginning became like a bite of one and not really wanting to eat it. You know, having three lollipops in the beginning became like licking one and saying, I don't want it anymore. And so I started to notice that although there was this initial like excitement around being able to have all these things that they wanted, actually they weren't that excited by it anymore and what I did also notice was their willingness to try other foods so you know they would just be so open to family meals I mean they they both are the most amazing eaters they eat everything um everything like you know sushi they eat pho they eat you know, tacos, just anything and everything. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that I don't actually really have any charge around what they do eat and how much they eat and when they eat it. And I think that really is what this whole self-regulated eating is about, you know, that they're allowed to eat what they want when they want it, that they can access these foods all the time. Mm-hmm. And that it's, yeah, not really um, I, like my... I'm out of the picture and it's really about them going with what does it feel like inside their bodies. Wow. Wow. So you were obviously getting support and listening for any feelings that were coming up from for you about food. Were you also listening to feelings that they were expressing about food or were they not really having any? No, I mean, there was definitely times where I would say, you know, does your tummy still like, just check in with your tummy. Does it really need that, you know, other lollipop? And at this time, I was also weaning my daughter from her dummy. So I was quite aware that I needed to set some loving limits, you know, like the 10th, you know, for example, if it was like the third or fourth piece, piece of chocolate and it didn't feel like, ah, uh, I'm, I'm not sure that this is actually about the chocolate. I actually think it might be about something else. Then I would start to set a loving limit around that really gently and say, sweetheart, you know, you can hold the chocolate, you can keep it in your hand, but I actually am not willing for you to eat it. And I'm really willing to listen to any feelings you have around anything else. And I started to see a, a very direct difference between when it was, I really want to eat this chocolate and I'm really joyous and I'm happy and I'm just going to eat it. And it's like one or two pieces versus I'm eating a lot of chocolate because there's something here going on for me that's beyond just you know just wanting the chocolate it's also about feelings yeah it's so obvious isn't it it's that quality with which they are asking for something or or trying to get something that is such a a clear sign um, for whether it's something that they they want or something that they need and if it's something that they're needing to suppress feelings it's yeah it's just it's that urgentness that and just also it wasn't the right thing like well you know I, I don't want that and I don't want that and I don't want that you know that and you can just tell that it's not really about the thing that they're wanting or, you know, like they wanted a specific type of chocolate and it's run out, you know, and then having a really big meltdown about that. 
you know, if I was a permissive parent, I would go, oh my gosh, I need to go and get the chocolate, right? But being aware, I was like, no, this is not about that piece of chocolate that's not there anymore. This is really just about a whole lot of other things that are happening for her. And so even with that, I think that also allowed them to be a lot more intuitive and connected to that feeling in their body, like when they're full or when they're hungry, you know, like sitting at the table and eating and then going, I feel full and not having a charge around, you know, I spent ages cooking you this meal and now you've only had three mouthfuls, but going, okay, that, that, you know, does your tummy feel full? Okay. Then that makes sense. And not really powering over or guilting or shaming, you know, even though my inner child was, or my inner, you know, voice was going, but I spent, you know, an hour cooking you this thing and now you're not interested in it. But having a disconnect from that because it's not a personal thing. It's not really about me at all. It's really about them and what they're willing to eat and when they're willing to eat it. And when, when they feel really good in their bodies, they are willing to eat what's in front of them. And when often when I've just kind of said, okay, that's fine, you know, and then they go away and then 20 minutes later they come back and like, oh, actually, I think I could eat more of that now. So also just you know, not having those restrictions around specific times and, you know, sitting at tables and, you know, all these things that we we expect of children, but just knowing that sometimes they want a snack and sometimes they want to eat the meal and sometimes they don't want anything at all and sometimes they want lots of things mm. and just really going with the flu, like the fluidness of that. Mm. Yeah, lovely. And when there's the trust is there and when the listening to feelings is happening too, we yeah. know that our children are, are not going to be... You know, people often worry that if we parent this way, how will they learn to, you know, to eat properly or how will they learn to respect that somebody's cooked this meal and, you know, all of those things that are coming up for us that we had around, you know, you must sit at the table till you finished your plate kind of thing. And it's just not, it's just not, not a problem. I mean, yeah, my children also, they, they cook, they, they've always contributed to the family and they, they cook meals and they love cooking and they, they always, you know, make beautiful meals for all of us. And yes, it's just, yeah, it's just so easy when we start to see it in action and can see how how uh, beautiful it is when we just trust them and get out of the way. Yeah. Yes, and they and I want to share that my girls do sit at the table. Like it's not enforced. Yeah. They didn't always, like when they were a bit younger, they were, yeah. they were very active and they needed to move. And so eating was like this in-between thing. And I remember sitting there thinking like, are they ever just going to sit at a table with us and eat dinner? And now they're three and a half and five and a half and they, they do sit at the table and they will eat. And sometimes mm-hmm. it's a bit quicker than other times. And sometimes it is like a beautiful time for connection. But I just... Yeah, just acknowledging that their need, like what is that need in the moment for them? And it's often not to actually sit at the table and that's just our expectation as well, but really letting them do what they need to do in that moment. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, over time they learn, oh, I can sit here and I've got, you know, I've got the capacity to sit here for this longer period of time and eat this meal. Mm -hmm. So I think it was also just, yes, you know, really letting go of what what I'd learned, what were my imprints around, yeah, sitting at the table and, yeah, being willing to be there as well. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And it's kind of like the not forcing your kids to say sorry thing. Um, you know, my children always apologise. They always want to apologise when when they've, you know, done something you know, hurtful or, or wrong or whatever, you know, it, it's just, and I never made them say sorry or thank you or any of those things. And it's just, yeah, allowing them to come to that from an authentic space rather than a, um, a forcedness about it all. Yeah. Oh, yum. That's amazing. Um, 
And I know that one of the other things you're really passionate about, Danny, is running circles for mothers and supporting mothers and your your business, The Way of the Woman, really has a strong focus on all that. And obviously, you know, I can hear through all of your talking how, you know, getting that support for yourself is, has been so crucial in your journey. Do you want to talk a bit about what you offer and why you offer it and how you offer it? Yeah. So um, when I finished Lyle's Immersion, I remember crying in like the last, one of the last sessions saying like, I just feel like I don't have a community and like, you know, where are all the mums and, you know, we're going to leave this immersion then we're going to be on our own again. And so Lyle put to me, well, why don't you create it? Why don't you start something? And I, at first, you know, had a lot of inner child come up and be like, who are you to start something and da, 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 da. But I basically became an instructor to start mother circles to really bring other mothers together who are practising aware parenting because I think it is a very unique parenting paradigm. It's, you know, there's a lot of crossover between conscious and respectful and attachment, but I think aware, as you are so passionate about as well, is very, very specific and I really wanted to, yeah, like keep that in its little bubble and not let it sort of get taken into different directions, that it is aware parenting, it is philosophy you know that Aletha you know founded and created and it is built on these really beautiful principles and but I wanted to have a space for mums to come together and share about that so I started running circles before COVID-19 hit and then I which were in person and they were really beautiful they were in a park and you know just gorgeous beautiful mums showed up who I still am deeply you know connected to and then that sort of hit and I was like well what am I going to do So I started running um, circles online and they weren't aware parenting and they weren't just for mums. They were for all women. And I did really love that. And then they were a bit more spiritual and, you know, I I enjoyed those sort of circles. But I really in that moment realised that I do really enjoy working with mums, that I really wanted to just go back to, you know, sitting with mums in circle, talking about aware parenting and really bringing that theory in again. So, um. That moving forward, I started running um, like all different offerings online that were just about, you know, aware motherhood. It was about bringing in aware parenting and looking at your own journey. Um, And then slowly that evolved into um, like now I run a monthly aware parenting listening and support circle for mums, a virtual village, and really just offering more spaces for mums to come together and share. And what I hear all the time, and it's basically what I felt, you know, just a couple of years ago is, although aware parenting has grown so much, it is still like, you know, if I try and run something in person, it's like one person's on, you know, we live, I live in Victoria. So it's like one person's on, you know, the East and one person's on the West and a couple of people are North and, you know, but really to run something in person, it's like, it's really small still. It's not so big where we can have like this sort of regular space. So um, that's why I sort of offer a lot more online than in person. But I live um, in Janjak in rural Victoria. So I have started running an aware sort of mother circle up here. And I run one in Melbourne as well, a monthly sort of mother circle for mums to come together. And really, they're just a safe, inclusive space to be really brave and to practice vulnerability and to share what's happening in your home and to have, you know, someone listen and to hold for you. And I think when we have that space and we can hear what's going on for other people as well, we start to go, ah, like, 
that's yeah that's happening for me as well okay I'm, I'm not alone in that or yeah I find that really hard and just watching the connections that build and the sharing in between that and you know people catching up outside of circle and really starting to build this idea of community and village which we often really lack when we first start out parenting this way yeah yeah and it's so it, it's just so impossible to parent this is not how we were designed at all this is not how we evolved to live in our little nuclear families particularly not when we're um trying to practice a paradigm that is so demanding of us in terms of you know being willing to do our own work and and to to go places and you can't go places without support so it's so crucial that just sounds beautiful Danny that sounds amazing how lovely yeah, it is. It's really beautiful. Um, I really enjoy it. Like I, I get a lot out of listening to other mums and hearing, you know, where they are on their journey, which is often a place where I've been. I'm not that far along in it either. So I can really relate to what their experience is and what's happening for them. Um, and I think like we, like I've sort of threaded throughout this whole thing, like the support is the most important element like we are not going to be able to it's not sustainable to practice aware parenting um and not have someone listen to our feelings and you know as you know in most sessions if we we, we listen one-to-one because I do a lot of aware parenting sessions as well um you know I listen one-to-one and, and they'll say you know oh but my child doesn't really cry and then I say so how often are you crying and the answer is always never or not not much and so I think you know we've been conditioned to not feel our feelings for so 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 many you know thousands of years going back that really you know the first step is to actually feel our feelings and so you know coming into um, a one-to-one session with an instructor or coming into a circle or seeing a therapist or you know finding a listening partner I think they're all part of this beautiful toolkit that we can offer ourselves and is vital to actually practicing aware parenting because without that we're not going to be able to move any of the inner dialogue you know listening to our own inner child all those experiences that we've had are just going to keep showing up and blocking us from really giving our children the presence and connection that they need yeah absolutely it's so important and to start with I think people are so often really focused on aware parenting their children and I don't have time to to do my stuff I'm I'm focused on the kids now but yes such a such a crucial part of the process and just it's just amazing how many times I've received listening about things that are troubling me and it could be things in the present or it could be things in the past or it could be a combination of those things and just through listening and receiving some loving support from someone else even if it's just a you know a voice message huge shifts then happen for my children as well and it's just it, it's so powerful and yes it's 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 the essential element of aware parenting isn't it that that really? parenting ourselves and that support for us yeah yeah, and I often find if I haven't had the listening, that's when I find a block with the girls. Like I really, if I've got incapacity, I haven't had someone listen to my feelings or I haven't been able to go within and, you know, have a good cry, that's when they will start to reflect that back to me and, like, you know, the connection with them becomes a bit more disconnected. They're not as willing to cooperate. Um, you know, I'm, the the feelings don't move. Like I remember there have been lots of times over the years where, you know, they, they'll sort of, you know, get whingy and clingy and 
cry but it doesn't kind of end and I sort of go well if it's not moving it's got to do with us because we haven't released something and often when we go away and have that space and have you know that beautiful cry or share something really vulnerable that you know was a part of what was happening for us we're then able to come back with this new energy which they feel into and then they go oh okay now you're ready for me mum you're ready for me to move this and so I'm always you know in in deep reflection with what's going on with them because it's a direct you know sort of story and reflection back to what's happening with me yeah absolutely I couldn't agree more yeah totally that time and I've seen that and it's interesting when your children become teenagers so much stuff comes up for us because I mean our teenage years how many of us as teenagers were heard lovingly how many of us as teenagers were able to be our authentic selves how many of us as teenagers actually had our needs met in any way that was remotely really helpful so the teenage years are full of opportunities and I often hear people say oh the teenage years are a nightmare but actually you know when we're getting our support and are listening for ourselves the teenage years are awesome because yeah, we're so much, so much healing to be done for us. And then so much beautiful connection and support for our children. It's just, yeah, it's, it's a, it can be a very volatile time, but yeah, it's, it's such a powerful piece when we're getting our listening it makes yeah. it so much easier. Yeah. I look forward to those teenage years oh. and I know that I talked to you a bit about this and I see with, you know, Layla and Marion and just some of those older, in, you know, instructors who have done this for a longer period of time and they've got older kids. Like I know when I work with mums and I was just saying to, to, to this to you before, just around like, will it work? Like, will it actually work? Like, will these teenagers come to us and will they, you know, be willing to share with us and, you know, ha- still have this beautiful, deep connection and time and time again, you know, I, I just see it by what you share I see it by what you know Lael and Marion share and just yeah just this sense of like that really really beautiful connection that doesn't go like once it's there it just continues to you know flourish and so that fear of oh my gosh you know what how am I going to manage the teenage years I, do, I don't feel that I feel excitement of yeah there'll be stuff like there'll definitely be stuff I had a, you know my teenage years weren't great so there will be stuff but knowing that I've got this amazing you know toolkit and skill set and I know I'm going to be able to have the listening that I need and seek the support from the people that have been through it before or you know have more experience in that area I think is really really important and you know I know that deep within and that trust again coming always coming back to the trust yeah that's such a big piece isn't it that's like the main word that (laughs) yeah captures it all yeah wow so um how where, how do people get hold of you? Where do you um, share? Can you share your stuff? So the main way is sort of on social media. I think I'm really, I don't do a lot on Facebook. It sort of just pummels through from Instagram. So I am a part of the Aware Parenting um, Facebook group, which Joss is as well, and we share on there and support mums. And I always speak, you know, all the mums that I support, I say come and join that because lots of people are asking similar questions and, you know, get different responses from instructors. Um, so I think that's really powerful. Um, and, yeah, so the main place is on Instagram. That's probably where I'm, you know, I do a lot of my sharing and do lots of lives and um, reels and, you know, all sorts of things there. So um, that's at Danny Willow. Um, or you can type in the way of the woman, either of those will come up. Um, or you can contact me through my website, which is um, www.thewayofthewoman.com.au. Uh, and I work out of the perinatal hub in Janjuk in Victoria. So if you're local to this area, which is sort of Torquay along the surf coast, um, yeah, that's sort of my main. I run circles from there. 
or um, in Melbourne, but that's, um, yeah, that's through um, the easiest way to find information about that is, yeah, through um, Instagram. So, yeah, they're the main the main ways to connect with me. Thank you. That's great. And I'll put all that in the in the description. Um, and is there anything else that you would love to share that we haven't touched on or anything else that you think is really helpful for people to know who are perhaps early in the process? Or yeah. um, I would just love to share that I think, you know, and as you do, that aware parenting has the potential to change the world. And I think the only way that we can really do that is really starting with ourselves is building our own capacity going back and loving all of those you know aware parenting ourselves loving all those parts of ourselves that uh it's hard it's not perfect I'm not perfect like I say to a lot of the mums I work with like you know I'm probably doing aware parenting 80 to 90 percent of the time but there's still that you know 10 percent where it's it doesn't I'm still you know having moments where I'm really tired and missing the village and not you know not acting in ways that I want to and so I think it's really important to be real and just to share that like it we don't have to be perfect at it. We don't have to get it right 100% of the time. And I think, you know, there are, I, I often think to myself, there are children that are never, ever, ever going to have any listening in their whole lifetime, right? Like what we experience. And yet here we are showing up and gifting this to our children. And so just honoring that that is even happening and just acknowledging how big that is and honoring ourselves and saying like, you are amazing for just being willing to try to show up, to do the inner work, to ask for help and to, to practice this amazing parenting paradigm. I think that if that's a take home message, you know, for anyone who listens that it, it is doable when we move away from trying to be perfect and rather just be enough for, as we are, I think that's really, really important. And what a gift for our children that is too, for us to be modelling that so that they grow up knowing that they don't have to be perfect and they they are always enough and that, you know, it's okay to make mistakes and to get things wrong and that that's that free of all that pressure um, to just they can just be who they are and to know that we'll love them unconditionally however they show up, however they're behaving, whatever they're feeling and whatever they're doing. It's just so beautiful, so beautiful for them. Yeah, yeah so beautiful. I just think I, I just sometimes look at them and I think like they are so deeply connected to who they are and I, I love that and that's, you know, looking for the evidence of like what keeps me in it, what keeps me going to that, you know, 80 90% of practising aware parenting and showing up and offering them is seeing them in the fullness of who they are and really acknowledging that I'm in the fullness of who I am when I am doing those things and when I'm able to be really aware and really present and play and connect and look behind the behaviour and all those amazing things that aware parenting offers. But the most important part is always coming back to building ourselves, building our capacity, finding where we are, looking at our inner imprints, you know, seeking all the different supports like we've shared, you know, having loads of sessions with instructors, like really building that up to be able to offer them this because they just are, you know, they, they're in connection with each other. So, yeah, that's my main little take-home thing and just that I love aware parenting and could talk to you for hours about it. <laughs> Yeah, me too. Um, I can really your your passion just like shines out of you, Danny, and your your knowledge and wisdom about it all is really extraordinary. And 
I love how you share. I love it. It's yes, I could talk to you for hours about it as well. I love our chats. We have such great <laughs> chats do. about it. Yeah. 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 Thank you so much, Joss. Thank you so much for being on. And yeah, I really look forward to talking to you again. Yay. Thank you. Thank you for joining me on Aware Parenting Stories. I hope you enjoyed this episode. To find out more, please visit my website, www.awareparenting.com.au and follow me on social media at Aware Parenting with Joss. I wish you much connection and love on your parenting adventures. Mm-hmm.